Good Saturday morning, everyone. Good Saturday morning and welcome to Inside Sports Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Tio Soriel. Live in the studio on this episode 855. This is your sports medicine current events show where the topics are ripped right off of the sports desk. Over the next two hours, you're going to be informed. Oh, I keep saying two hours. Mm. Over the next hour, you're going to be informed, entertained, and hopefully learn something new. You know, just about the time that I get this right, we'll be done. <laughs> You've gotten it right. Yeah. It's just consistently saying one hour. Well, yeah. Got, yeah. Well, so I've said two hours for 22 years. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we have a lot to get to today, so as is our usual, um, sitting across from me, Dr. Brad Ballard. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Doc. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about heat. This is the time of year when we talk about the warning signs and the differences between heat illness and heat stroke, and I... Uh, and this is real education. I mean, this is this is like it's important stuff. This is very important. Yeah. And a, a, as we start to get into football season, and well, I think they start practicing this week. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, of they the started schools. this week already. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there, look, there are rules UILs learned. Um, you know, you you can't practice between noon and six, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, we're gonna get into that. Yeah. Um. So this is interesting. We're also going to talk about stretching injuries. And you wouldn't think that that would be a topic. You just wouldn't think that would be a, something to discuss on the show. A stretch injury. A stretch injury. Because we ask, we tell you to stretch. It's vital. True, yeah. And I've seen two patients this last week with stretch-related injuries. And, you know, there, there are stretching places opening up all over town uh, and I think for the most part, it's a good thing. Yeah. But like you go in and they stretch you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you pay for that. And I think it's good, but there's a line and you can't cross. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Brad, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm laughing to myself. I know what you were about to say. Because I don't know exactly how to bring this up. What's that time of the year? We're watching dogs run through obstacle courses. This is the this is the toughest time of the year to be a fan of of anything sports. Uh, yes, we're desperate. Yes, I am. De- I I watched the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> no, the Hall of Fame game is something you look forward to at this point. You're right, but I found myself actually watching baseball the other day. Yeah. Nothing. Look, the, nothing the game of baseball nothing is good. It. I think the game of baseball is great, but it's a tough game to just like sit and watch. Yeah. You have to have a certain mindset to to, to watch. You got to be bored on TV. Yes, on TV. Now going to the games is a blast. Yes, the hot dogs and yeah, it's an I, experience. I love going to the games, but to just sit and watch nine innings of baseball. Yeah, I, I know it's that time of the year. Football. You know, we're, we're barely beginning football. I was, uh, basketball's done. There's yeah. no Olympics. There's nothing. Soccer hasn't started yet. Soccer. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're so Brad and I came. <laughs> we were setting up for the show this morning, and we were watching 
I don't even know what you call it. Dog Olympics? I'm still watching you, it. I, yeah, no, I don't know what you call it. Uh, they're going through some maze or something. This is the time of year where ESPN is just like, just just give us something. Something so, to watch. Something to watch. Um, the Axe Championships. We were watching the Axe Throwing Championships last weekend, my, my, my sons and I. Yeah? Yeah. Now, that would be interesting. I mean, it's interesting because nothing else is on. But I mean, yeah, it was it was interesting. So there's the cornhole league. Cornhole league is always good. We're watching that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we're really scraping bottom here. This is the time of the year where cornhole gets the most views. I can guarantee. And f- competitive fishing. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Yep. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> Right about that time when the fishing, you know, starts to become, you know, the thing to watch is hopefully when football is coming back. Yeah. So we're all looking forward to football and the golden month. It's the golden month, September, October. It's a, it's a month where all sports are going. Right. Baseball is going. Hockey's going. Basketball's going. It's got to be October. I think it's. I think it's October. Yeah. Yeah, that is a sports person's dream. Oh, yeah, yeah. So before we start talking about the heat stuff, and and Brad's going to run with this ball because he's much better at it explaining it than me, I do want to just broach that subject of sports injuries. I mean, stretching injuries. Um, so two cases just last week. Um. Monday and Tuesday, back-to-back. And someone was stretching them. Mm -hmm. You know, I doubt that you or I or anyone listening will stretch their Achilles to the point of tearing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I doubt anyone would stretch their quads to the point of tearing it. Mm -hmm. I, I... but if someone else is doing it for you, they don't have that pain feedback that you have yourself that's inherent. <laughs> yeah. And and in both cases, this was so interesting. In both cases, one was a man, one was a woman, at both athletic. Um, the person doing this stretching exceeded the limit despite the fact that the athlete was saying, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. They still continued. And in the male basketball injury, he had a nerve injury. He is, you know, shortly after the stretching session, his leg went numb. Not to mention that this is a big time. Yeah, no, I don't want right? to say that. But, I, I, but, but. This is a big-time athlete. Right, right. Big, yeah, big-time. All of you guys have heard of him. And in the other case, the female tennis player tore the meniscus. I mean, ripped it. She she said, she said, as I was telling him not to do that, I felt something rip. Dude. <laughs> so what's the take-home lesson? Make sure that you are dealing with a professional. Make sure that they understand that not everyone has the same flexibility. You know, um, going to 135 degrees on me may be my limit. Yeah. Going to 150 degrees may be somebody else's limit, but they have to understand that. Yep. And there has to be a way you can tap out. 
because if we're talking about tapping out on stretching, I know. Well, so she, so it's surgical. So I, I mean, this this young lady yeah. is going to have to have a, a procedure to address yeah. her torn meniscus yeah. because of a stretching, and it wasn't her stretching; it was someone else stretching. Right. Um, I, I never thought that I'd get to the point where I'd have to mention this on a radio, but yeah, I mean, we we tell everybody, we tell all of our patients and our listeners, hey, before you do anything athletic, make sure you warm up and stretch. Yeah. It's important. It's yeah. it's it's part of preserving. But never in my wildest dreams that I think that I would have to say, "Ooh, be careful of who does it." Right. Well, because most of the time you're the one stretching and yep. like you said, you know the limit whenever you start feeling like, "Yeah, that's that's tight." Yep. You let know me, your own limit. Let me hold that there for a second, not exceed that yep. that range of motion that you talked about. Um well, Have you seen that? Have you seen the stretching injury? Uh, I've heard of it. I'm, I've heard of people stretching too much or being stretched too much. I don't know if I've actually seen a patient from it. Yeah. Well, and, and I will tell you that in my long career, I can't recall eh, maybe two or three, but it was interesting that this week, two back-to-back, two back-to-back. All right, quick little break. Inside Sports Medicine, T.O. Surreal, Brad Ballard. We're going to be coming right back. Welcome back. I got to get ACDC's greatest hits. Every time I listen to, you know, Back in Black or Highway to Hell, like, I'm like I gotta I They're but I, I and I keep forgetting to to just download their greatest hits. Yeah, well, yeah, especially what I I think some of these songs are 30, 30 years old. Yeah, and they're classic. Um, welcome back to Inside Sports Medicine. Lots to get to today, <laughs> During, <laughs> including how much we've learned about the 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 dog Olympic championships. Uh, so, as we've told you before, in the studio, there are TV screens everywhere. Uh, I don't have a man cave so much, but if I did, I guess kind of look like this. Twelve TV screens, <laughs> right. and and right now this time of year, there is nothing to put on the TV screen. That's right. Yeah. So one's playing ESPN. Well, there's two different ESPN. There's ESPN 1 and 2. One's playing the highlights for baseball, which you and I already said. Like, I, I like watching the highlights for baseball, just the, the 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 full game I can't. And I hope we didn't offend any baseball folks. It's just difficult to watch, and I'm sure they could probably under, understand that. But then you got the dog, the, the dog Olympic championships on another, and then, like, Good Morning America is on the other one. Yeah, so there's something inherently wrong with us being on the radio and you guys listening to us on the radio and we're talking about TV. There's, some, <laughs> there's something inherently wrong. But the point of the story is this time of year, as we prepare for the upcoming fall sports, there's not much to watch. Yeah. And Brad and I were both completely enamored by this dog Olympic thing. And, uh, you know, by the way, a little sidebar story. 
you know, the veterinary sports medicine world mm-hmm. is a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, they have they have um, hyperbaric oxygen chambers for horses. Horses. Yeah. I mean, it is. They have sports medicine veterinarians mm-hmm. with Dude, orthopedic veterinarians oh, is a very real thing. It, it and and so we're talking about PRP for humans. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it on animals for, for a decade. Dude. Tano- uh, the tenotomy procedure they do ten x on on horses. It's this. Yeah, so they're way ahead of us. Yeah, way ahead of us. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff that's come to back to humans, yeah, has been in the sports medicine in the veterinary sports medicine world for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you know that? I don't. That was not even in our notes for today. No. Do you know that that hyperbaric oxygen treatment within a certain time of a horse race is outlawed? Mm. It it is it is performance enhancing right, to performance the point enhancing. where it is outlawed. So if your horse has had a treatment within seventy two hours of a race, I don't know, I'm making this stuff up. Yeah. But if that is, then you can be disqualified. A girl saw me, patient recently saw me. She works on a farm. A doctor came in and did a percutaneous tenotomy procedure on the horse's tendon. On the farm. On the farm. She saw that. And that doc said, yeah, this is done for humans. And she looked it up, found me. It's a procedure that I do yeah. where we can debride the tendon. We help. Uh, minimally t- invasive. Yeah, minimally invasive to help tendons uh, heal and get better. She's like, that's how I found you. Because it was done on the horse of the farm that I work on. So that said, we're watching some very athletic little dogs. <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> what, what was it in the less than 12 inch class? Yeah, it's all height class. It's yes. not weight class. So but. they can't be taller than 12 inches. I don't know how you measure that, yeah. but that's all right. Yeah. Uh, they can't be taller than 12 inches, and they're they're moving. Very athletic. Yes. Uh, during the break, we talked about in passing, and I said it, you need to warm up and then you need to stretch. And people are confused about those two terms. Yep. You want to elaborate? Yeah. So I think this this topic came up with a patient of mine, and and we were talking about stretching and warming up. Um, and it, these are really two different things. Two different things, right? But both are are very important. So stretching is really you know kind of working on the elasticity of the muscle and the tendon, uh, which you need to do, uh, which we recommend that you do before you participate in any sport and after. And after, however, just as important and depending on who you are, really, maybe even more important is the warm up, which is not a stretch. It is active moving. It's getting the blood moving, getting the blood flowing. Are you old enough to remember jumping jacks? (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm hoping that actually transcends generations and not just the time. Do people uh, still do jumping jacks? I know jacks? my kids know about jumping jacks. They do jumping jacks. Okay. That's a warm-up. Yes. That's a warm-up. A light jog is a warm-up. Yep. Um, Getting on the bike for five, ten minutes is a warm-up. Is a warm-up. Just up. enough to get the blood flowing and the tissues warmed up. And it's a reason why when we talk about tendinosis, which is wear and tear on a tendon, it, it doesn't get blood supply. Well, when you start moving, the blood starts moving and tendinosis... Right. 
starts getting better a little bit when you start moving. The, the joints start getting some motion. You know, motion is lotion, I've heard. You know, you start moving, and the, and it's like... The I've never heard that, but I like it. Are you serious? I swear to God. Oh, what man. did you just say? Motion is lotion for the joints. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually writing it down. Just <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, warm-up. You kind of get the blood flowing, and what happens is your heart start beating faster, the vessels dilate, mm-hmm. um, and and the body, the brain senses that, uh, hey, I have to start working here. So it opens up the vessels and and moves the blood supply. So when you eat, the blood supply goes, goes to, to your, your stomach, stomach. <laughs> which is why you you don't swim after eating. Is that true? I don't know. Okay, but, I don't know how you got that. But, but when you sure. start warming up, the blood supply moves to the muscles and yeah. the tendons. And so you don't really want to stretch cold. You don't. Yeah. You you warm up five, ten minutes, however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Jumping jacks, bikes, short run, whatever. Yeah. Then you stop and stretch. Yeah. That first five to ten minutes should not count as part of your workout. <laughs> <laughs> If you, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. That not if, ca- say, if you're counting that as part of your workout, it, it, you're old. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 so we, we've always talked about. Oh yeah, you got to stretch. You got to stretch. You got to stretch. But it's also just as important to stretch after. Yeah. So the sequence that I tell people: warm up five ten minutes, stop, stretch, do your workout activity, whatever, whatever. Stop, cool down, mm. stretch. Ice. Mm. That's the sequence. Yeah, yeah. And and um, whenever you see an athlete on a on a bench or on a sideline and they're icing down, that means they're not coming back. Ice is the last thing yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah, you don't want to ice. Ice is the, you knowing you're going to come back. Exactly. Last thing that you do. And on the stretching side, and obviously this is radio, so we don't have a visual. Um, I, I I like to stretch and hold. I think that that's better mm-hmm. than the you know the they call it active stretching. Yeah, dynamic bobbing. stretching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you have thoughts? I think there's benefits to both. Um, I think we talked about this when Mayor was here. There's some there's some dynamic stretches that you can do that are good. But I think a combination of both static and dynamic stretches. Static meaning you stand in one place and you hold a stretch. Dynamic means you're you're like moving during the stretch, like high, you know, yep. high kicks and stuff like that. You see a lot of uh, soccer teams do that. Well, everybody, uh, the football teams do it, you know, before the cameras come on. Right. Yeah. So there, there's, and even the NBA guys do it. NBA guys stretch in the locker room before they go out. So mm-hmm. you never really see, see that. Stretch. Yeah. Yeah. But every once in a while, you'll see a, a, a guy who's on the court. See him laying down. And, right. Yeah. 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 So difference between warmups and stretches. So now we're going to, Kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about the important topic for this particular episode. Heat yeah. um, can be extremely dangerous. There are numerous reported cases every year in Texas about this time of year. And fortunately, we're getting better about getting the message out there. But... On the unfortunate side, there are still people who have have catastrophic outcomes yeah. because of heat. Yeah, and um, 
you know, it's it's one thing to say, hey, it's hot out there, be careful. It's another thing to say, well, what do you do about it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's really, you know, and I like to try to keep this as simple as possible in terms of we've got to be able to recognize what we're seeing out there. Obviously, it's it's super duper hot. <clears throat> and this not only goes for our, our football guys that are going out there, which is why we do it at the beginning of the football season while we talk about this, but even if you're a runner, are you just going to be out in the heat for whatever reason? So there's three really big uh, classes of heat illness. There's heat cramps, there's heat exhaustion, and then there's heat stroke. And it's really in that order in terms of how it how it progresses and how, how worse it gets. Heat, heat cramps, I think, is something many of us have experienced. You're out there working out, running, muscles get tight, muscles start cramping, Spasm, spasming. Sp- start spasming. Right. So that's that's pretty easy to is, recognize. Is that a is that a dehydration thing or a potassium thing or all the above? I I think so. I think it's a it's a hydration, it's a electrolyte, but I also think it's a you know th- those muscles are just getting overworked and 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 heated and you get cramped and it's, it's kind of hard to go. So for that, you need to get out of the heat. You need to get to a cool place. Uh you need to hydrate and you need to stretch, right? Um, a little sidebar story before we f- leave this subject. Um, so I was covering a high school football team. This was 20 years ago. And for the beginning of the season, high school team, beginning of the season, they had new uniforms. Mm-hmm. And so the beginning of the season was August. And part of the new uniforms were these really, really cool over-the-calf socks that had stripes on them uh-huh. in football. Yeah. Mind you, football. Yeah. Well, they were made out of wool. Oh, gosh. And the kids were cramping right and left. Mm. And it took us a game or two to figure out that it was the socks. Mm. So they 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 started cutting them off and yeah. just making them anklets. Yeah, yeah. That's just a little sidebar yeah, story about crazy. this cramping, heat cramping thing. But yeah, but, but, but applicable to, the, to what we're talking about. And then you've got... And then you've got heat exhaustion, uh, which, again, you've been out in the heat for too long. This is when you start to get more uh, what we call systemic symptoms. You start to get headache. You start to feel tired. Um, you start to feel really exhausted. Are you sweating at this point? You are sweating, yeah. And, and the reason why Doc asked that question is because when I talk about heat stroke, that's a big differentiator in terms of being able to recognize whether someone has heat stroke or just heat, well, I don't want to say just, but heat exhaustion, because heat exhaustion is really you're on the brink of potentially yep. going to heat stroke. And and this is when you really got to like pull somebody out, shut them down. The day is done. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're headache, you're nauseous, you, 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 you're exhausted. You can't go. I mean, it's like somebody just, you know, you might even be a little lightheaded. Yep. Yep. So, so, and, and often, I shouldn't say often, sometimes the athlete themselves won't pick up on it, but his buddies will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and oftentimes the athlete <clears throat> will pick up on it, but this is when the, I got to push through it yeah. kicks in, right? No, no pain, no gain, or I, I, I can keep going. And, the person is sweating profusely at this point because physiologically the body is trying to cool it off to cool off. That is why you sweat. It's the body's air conditioned mechanism. Um, and when you sweat, so, so the concept here, and this is physics, 
It's the evaporation of the sweat that cools you off. That's right. And if you're wearing a football uniform right. with pads and helmet, you're not evaporating. No. You're sweating like crazy, That's right. but you're not evaporating, therefore you're not cooling. That's right. So one of the first things that the trainers do is take this equipment off. Yes. Yes. So you disrobe, you get into a cool place, get out of the heat. Get in the shade. Get in the you, shade, yeah. cool towels, yeah. hydrate. like Cool tub. Yep, cool tub. This is the day is done. Yep. Like, and you really don't come back until you feel 100%. Because sometimes. If you even come back. Right. Well, I mean, you won't come back that day. No, no, you should yeah, not, not come back, back that day. But next day, if you're feeling bad, I usually tell people don't. It's not like you need to feel 100% when you come back. I want to talk about the transition, which is an extremely dangerous transition from exhaustion to stroke. And after this break, we're going to do yeah. this after the break. Inside Sports Medicine, T.O. Soriel, Brad Ballard coming back. Inside Sports Medicine with Dr. T.O. Soriel, orthopedic surgeon and medical director of Texas Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Group. Dr. Soriel's comments are meant for informational and educational purposes only and not as a treatment. His comments are not a substitute for a visit with your doctor. And now, Dr. T.O. Soriel. Welcome back. Who is Jack LaLanne? Jack LaLanne was a fitness guru on TV in the 50s and 60s. Really? He was before my time. Yeah. But at least knew who he was. He was before, uh, who was the guy, um, Richard uh, Simmons? Yes, before Richard Simmons. Before Jane Fonda. He was the, really? he was the guy. He was uh, out of California. I think he was a swimmer, but he was, it's going to sound stupid. He was jacked. <laughs> Jack was Jack. Jack. That might be where that came from. That he may was be. jacked. There you go. But apparently, jumping jacks came were named after Jack Lalane is what I'm. Yep. Shout uh, out to Tobin. Thank you, sir. And one of the most amazing things about Jack Lalane, I'm old enough to remember his final days. He was jacked until he died. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was jacked. Until... Wait, do I need to write that down? I mean, he was extremely Jack well was developed, even even on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> I think he died at eighty or ninety years old, but he looked. I mean, he looked awesome. Oh man! Anyway, um, so leaving the jokes behind and going back to a serious subject. Yeah. Uh, so we we want to talk about heat awareness, and um, this is the time of year when sports pick back up again for our kids. Mm-hmm. Um. And for us, I mean, you see people out jogging early in the morning, which is great. Yeah, best time. Best, best time to do it. Don't jog in the middle of the street, please. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting off the subject. I know. But uh, for the kids in particular, especially for football, when you're wearing the pads and the helmets and you don't have an opportunity to evaporate mm-hmm. and cool off, uh, heat awareness is an important thing. Yeah. Back in the olden days, and used to watch this on documentaries that you think, how did they possibly do that? They used to withhold water. Water was a reward. I know. Yeah. You know? That's it, tough, man. Water was a reward. Yeah. You're not going to get a water break. Yeah. 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 Like back in the... Uh, um, Bear Bryant. Bear Bryant. Yeah, days. Bear Bryant. But I think that that's a, that's a scene on... Um, Remember, Remember the, the Titans. Titans. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Water was a reward. Yeah. Water was a reward. No, we don't do that anymore. It's yeah. readily available. Yeah. But but 
there are degrees of heat illness, and the worst, the deadly, is is heat stroke. Right, heat stroke. So we ended we ended you know the last segment on talking about heat exhaustion. Uh, Doc was even talking about he experienced heat exhaustion the other day. I, uh, that was golfing. the first time I've, I've ever actually been there, and I think part of it is old, and I'm out of shape, and, and I truly got dehydrated, and I fell behind, yeah. and it was 100 degrees, and uh, I actually know what it felt like. You, yeah. you were sweating profusely, but nothing was happening. Yeah, and and you were golfing. So this is not, again, yeah. it's not just a, a, a topic that's – important for our you know young athletes it's for anybody who's out there in the heat so um yeah but then you got heat stroke which a couple of big differentiators for heat stroke is one the person's not really sweating they're not actively sweating they may be kind of clammy but they're not sweating because you're so dehydrated you ran out of water well well it's that and the body's Shut, uh, shutting down yeah physiologically the its air conditioned system is not working yeah. so they are super duper hot, typically, you know, over a, a hundred and four or something like that. But obviously you're not going to be sitting around with a thermometer trying to measure the person, but they're going to be really hot. They're going to be clammy, not really sweating. And they're going to be altered, meaning they're not going to be acting right. Disoriented. Disoriented. Um, probably can't answer questions as well. They're just not acting right. And this is a medical emergency. 911 call. Yes. And yes. in the meantime, ice bath, take everything off. Get out of get shade. out of the yep. heat. Uh if if they can hydrate, great, but it's not unoften that if you that if this happens say like at a at a at a big event like a marathon or something like that. I mean, they'll 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 start an IV. They'll throw them in the ice bath. the The most important thing is to get them cooled as quickly as possible. So they will put them in a full ice bath. And so the reason is why why why? Well, because the body temperature is so high that the proteins in your body denature. Yep. You're, you're basically cooking yourself from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, you've got to be able to cool off that core temperature mm-hmm. so that you don't have you know muscle damage and tissue damage and brain and all that sort of thing oh yeah uh it is it is a medical emergency and uh it's it's one of those things where when you see it you know it yep but it is so gradual to get to it yeah sometimes they take a turn yeah between uh hey this guy's a little overheated to heat exhaustion in 10 seconds right right and and if you don't recognize that quick turn it it it, it may be yeah, it may not turn out good, but you know, obviously, the goal is to not even get to this point, right? Yep. So it's all you know, preventative. Make sure that you know. I was, uh, we had the 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 athletes meeting at the middle school this week, uh, you know, for my daughter, and cross country's coming up, and they were like, they they email out like the the heat index for the day. So be aware of how hot it's going to be. Um, but probably one of the biggest things you can do is hydrate. And we always talk about this and doc always kind of laughs and we make fun of it. But the easiest way for me to really kind of tell whether you're hydrated enough is the color of your urine, right? Drink, drink enough water. I was wondering how long it's going to take before we talk about <laughs> urine. Talk about urine. The, the, the color of your urine will give you an understanding of how well hydrated the you are. The darker the you, worse. Darker the worse. The lighter, the better. But isn't that kind of retrospective? 
I mean, uh, I mean, do do you hydrate the night before? I mean, how do you, how do you hydrate for football practice in the morning? Well, I think everybody gets up in the morning, and you know, you gotta yeah. go to the bathroom, and then you kind of see where you are, right? And you know, we talked about this when Kareem was here. There was there was a chart. There was a color chart. A in- color chart above the urinals. Yeah. That yeah. that showed the guys like, hey, you need to hydrate more. If you're over here, you're you're good. If you're here, I tell people it's kind of like that that country time lemonade kind of look. Dude, please. <laughs> <laughs> like light country time lemonade. Oh no no no! I can't believe you just said that. Okay. Uh, yeah. But so, you know what I'm talking about. I, I if know, it's we visual, all know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. But so proper hydration and proper hydration probably starts the, the night before. Yeah. Um, you know. Drink a glass of water before you go to bed. Yeah. Drink a glass of water in the morning. Yeah. You know, a lot of athletes are reluctant to drink the water because they're going to have the full sensation. But trust me, your body absorbs that really fast. Well, and let me help you out. There's been research to show that the that if you are not hydrated well enough, say you're hydrated enough to to perform, you're not going to be heat exhaustion. Right. But you're just not fully hydrated, yep. it affects your performance Absolutely. significantly. You won't run as fast. You won't you won't be able to endure as long. So there are performance uh, uh, measures that we know improve just by hydrating more. Which brings us to Gatorade. <laughs> when, so I think when Gatorade was invented, it was it was a breakthrough. Yeah. An absolute breakthrough. The you can absorb water through your GI tract a lot faster mm-hmm. if it's mixed with salt and a little salt, right? Yeah, salt and yeah, and yeah, salt sugar. and electrolytes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you can drink water, and I'm just randomly picking numbers, and it will get absorbed in three minutes. If you mix in a little bit of salt in it, then it gets absorbed in two minutes. Yeah. So the original Gatorade, which is just like the commercial, it was invented in Florida by their team doc. The original Gatorade was almost undrinkable. It mm-hmm. was so salty. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't know if, if you guys rem- remember the original Gatorade. <laughs> the current one doesn't doesn't taste like it's that. More, it's more palatable. They've yet. modified it significantly. But, but that was the whole concept behind these hydration drinks is that how can I get you hydrated quickly? Mm-hmm. Well, water works great. Yes. Um, here's what doesn't work great. The energy drinks. Right. Yeah. You are not going to be hydrating with Red Bull or yeah. Monster. Yeah. And, and and if you think you're going to take it for your performance, eesh. you're hurting yourself. Yeah. Um, and so the a unique thing about the hydration too, if you're going to be out in the heat for a long period of time, you you want water, but you want some electrolyte. If you're going to be yeah, out yeah. for the 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 shorter you're out there, the the more you'll need just water. If you're out there for a long period of time, you're going to need to put some electrolytes in there. Yeah, because when you sweat, you know, sweat salty for a reason. That's you're, right. You're, right. You're, you're losing electrolytes. That's right. But 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 I wanted to emphasize the difference between hydration drinks water is the best mm-hmm. most readily available and energy drinks those are dangerous this time of year yeah the red bulls the monsters yep. the you're you're because the energy that you get number 1 is short lived number 2 
leads to arrhythmias yep. if you combine it with dehydration. Yeah, yeah. Terrible combination. All right, quick little break. Then we're going to take a couple of calls, 888-787-1310. This is Inside Sports Medicine, T.O. Soriel, Brad Ballard, coming back. All right. So we uh, went a little bit off script during the first three segments. We went a little longer, and we didn't have a chance to get to the phones. But now, phones are all lit up. So uh, let's go to Jordan first. Jordan, good morning. You're on Inside Sports Medicine. What's up? Hi, good morning. Um, So I actually was planning on calling in um, just throughout the week, and I feel like this is relevant for the topic so I've had um, recurrent exertional rhabdomyolysis. Wow. And wow. yeah, yep. And so I don't know if it has been really related to the heat, but I do feel like it does tie into um, kind of what you guys have been talking about already this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, is so, so, okay, so I need to let everybody else know. Uh, rhabdomyolysis is when the muscle breaks down and uh, usually because of, uh, overtraining or dehydration or both, and w- the broken down muscle elements mm-hmm. uh, can clog up the lungs and kidneys. I mean, that's kind of yeah. how I explain it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm surprised that you have recurrent of that. What What's the what, sport? Oh, yeah. What, yeah is, what, what are you involved in? <clears throat> um. So I grew up running. So I did um, college <laughs> track and cross country, and you know, continued running throughout. Uh, my 20s. And um, after the first episode I had, I was actually um, trying to do some training for a tough mutter and trying to, um, you know, develop enough strength to, to be able to do pull-ups on my own. So I started doing negative pull-ups. Mm-hmm. And it was a workout with the negative pull-ups where you start in the, I guess, like up position and just slowly mm-hmm. lower yourself down mm-hmm. that um, caused the issue in my um uh, I can't remember if it was my biceps or triceps, but it was in my, so my Jor- arm. So, Jordan, how was this picked up? How was this diagnosed? I mean, obviously, you have to have blood tests and stuff, right? Yep, yep. Um, but the a couple days afterwards, my arms were so sore, and I couldn't straighten them. Yeah. They yeah. were kind of stuck in the 90-degree angle. Yeah. Brad and, and I are both looking at each other and like, shaking our heads because yeah, we've, we've seen, seen this. Yeah. Yes. Yep, yep. There was swelling. Um, and I went into the doctor. I kind of had an idea after some research that it was rhabdo, and um, they did some blood tests and confirmed with the elevated CK levels. So uh, what's your question in particular? Because you yeah. can avoid this. Yeah, that's going to be my question. Right. Yeah. What, what are right. your, my what... question is, so I most recently had an, ish, an episode in January, so I've had it three times, and it seems to be coming up with lighter and lighter exercise. Hmm. Um, this last time I did a... Um, a Peloton workout that had some knee push-ups. And it was, I don't know, maybe 25 knee push-ups. And I woke up the next day and had that issue in my triceps. Um, So I think my question is just I'm trying to understand why I might be having these issues. And maybe if if you have it once, are you more prone to get it again? Um, I've gone to several different specialists to Mm -hmm. try and do testing to see if, if there's something going on um, to help me prevent this from happening. Right. But I am 
I'm hoping to be able to get back into more of a an exercise routine and be able to incorporate running again. Because yeah. at this point, I really I can't without feeling like I'm kind of starting to get those symptoms. Yeah, it, I mean you've got a you've got a difficult case, obviously, if you've seen multiple physicians and it's kind of continues to happen. And one of the things we know is that whenever someone works out, no matter what, their CK levels are all are always going to be up. There are some people who are just muscular, and their CK their CK levels at baseline are going to be higher than than normal. Um, Have you had a muscle biopsy? Uh, 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 I have not. Okay. No, I so, think that was kind of one of the next things on the list. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to say this. Um, and it's definitely, definitely a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very interesting. Probably beyond the scope of this show on a Saturday morning. But um, <laughs> I, I, I do think that a neurologist and a muscle biopsy and because and a, and a trainer to get uh, you yeah. back. It's going to be a multi, you know, yeah, this a is, team effort to really get you back. It's one thing to have it once. But have recurrences, then you start thinking about something going on with the muscle itself. Yeah. Uh, keep us posted, and uh, you can email us uh, after the show's over or during the week, and and we'll we'll continue the conversation. That sounds great. Thank Thanks. you very much. All right. Very interesting. Let's go to Don from Carrollton. Good morning, Don. What's up? Good morning, doctors. Um, I had a shoulder bursitis a few months ago and was prescribed physical therapy and things are pretty good now. Why does physical therapy work? What's the mechanism? What, what does it do to the muscles? Why does it work? What a great question. Yeah, we could dedicate a whole that show is, to that. That is probably the question of the year. <laughs> I love that. How does physical therapy work? Yeah. First of all, we love physical therapy. It's it's an it's an integral part of what we do in sports medicine. Yes, I, I can do the greatest surgery in the world. Brad can diagnose the greatest injury in the world. And if we didn't have available to us rehab and physical therapy, we would not have the results we do. So big big fans. How does it work? Goodness gracious! How do you answer that question? Well, I, I know for shoulders, and what I teach people about shoulder is that the the mechanics of the shoulder is critical. Um, and oftentimes people get into trouble because of certain postures. There are certain muscles that are weak that if we can increase the, the, the endurance and the strength of those muscles in the shoulder, well then mechanically your shoulder will work better so that that bursa doesn't get pinched so that it doesn't get inflamed. So oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes for the shoulder, if we can mechanically get the shoulder working and operating better, uh, and more efficiently, you'll be able to avoid pain and potentially even f- future tears of, of a rotator cuff. Yeah, and, and there's balances that are important, yeah. and there's flexibility that's important. And one of the things that physical therapists also have available to them are modalities, uh, uh, ultrasound, STEM, uh, you know, I, I, we love physical therapy. How does it work? It's all of those things. It is flexibility, strengthening, modalities, balance. Yeah, um, it works. Okay, great. Hey, can I mention a personal comment? The first time I called you was 10 years ago. My high school junior grandson, uh, quarterback, linebacker, was cramping up even late into the season, and you said hydrate and check his socks. <laughs> and Was I right? Was I right, by the way? His socks had been okay, so, oh. so it must have been the hydration. <laughs> I'm glad you One called in. Now, you know, somebody on, on our Facebook page just mentioned that 
I said it in passing that we're going to end, but I made the announcement actually last week that August 27th is going to be our last episode uh, on on radio. And after a 22-year run, 855 live episodes, I, th- I think the time has come. But we're going to continue in some form. Um, most likely it's going to be a podcast, uh, same length, same duration. And we're still working through how we're going to take calls on a podcast. So what <laughs> what will probably happen Submit is, questions. Yeah, you'll submit questions or we'll, you know, we'll have a preset recording date and uh, we'll give you a number so that we can kind of record your questions and then and then air it. But no, uh, I'm glad you were listening 10 years ago. That was great. Thank you, doctor. I'll miss your show. Thanks, Don. Well, you'll you'll still hear us. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're not going to have a chance to get to Genova, but he's a regular. He's OK. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Genovel. Shout, shout out. Yep. Uh, so episode 855. Um, gosh, an hour goes by pretty fast. Thank you guys for listening. We are always flattered. At the end of the day, we're just doctors. Uh, we do this Saturday thing to educate, and hopefully you find it educational and informative and entertaining at the same time. You can always come see us at Texas Sports Medicine. Until next week, on behalf of all of us here on Inside Sports Medicine, on behalf of Brad Ballard and those of us at The Ticket, until next week, tell your friends.